Our scripture reading will be found in the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. Pursue peace. Oh, shall we stand for the reading of God's word? Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, again I approach your throne together with fellow worshipers. Father, I approach your throne because I know I'm inadequate. I pray, Father, that you will touch this stammering tongue to be able to deliver this message in its fullness and in clarity. We thank you, Father, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. It was a beautiful day, just like any other. And a four-year-old boy decided he was going to go out and play. Now, four-year-old boys and four-year-old girls were you know, oblivious to danger oblivious to the problems of the world. He has one thing on mind, let's go and let's play. So this four-year-old boy goes outside and starts playing and running around and doing what four-year-old boys do. When all of a sudden, there was a mob. You see, unbeknownst to this four-year-old boy, in that particular city, in that particular year, there were riots going on. And that four-year-old boy's out there minding his own business, oblivious, and that mob approached. That four-year-old boy was grabbed. That four-year-old boy was picked up in the air and his clothes removed from him. That four-year-old boy was saved because in an instant, there was a siren and a blast and lights came on. Years went by. Never thought much of it anymore. Didn't think it had much effect. March on 40 or 50 years later, and there were again riots. And all came back. And that four-year-old boy, now a man, became troubled. What to do? What to do? How did you obtain peace? 
in a troubled world when you've been attacked. It all came back. And there was no relief. It was on the news. All the trouble that was being caused. This man decided, in order to obtain peace, the only way to obtain peace, now he couldn't go and find these people who were responsible for this action. Who knows whether they're still alive? Who knows what became of their lives? This man decided there was only one thing he could do to have peace in his heart. There's only one thing he could do. And that is pray for their forgiveness. Pray that they found the gospel. Pray that they never did anything like that again. Pray that they're in a church. Pray that they found him who is peace. Jesus said in that outline of prayer, and that's certainly what it is, forgive us our sins as we have been forgiven. And when we do that, when we pray for those who have hurt us, when we pray for those who have caused us great grief and great problems, (coughs) then we can have that peace that passes understanding. In fact, let's just talk a little bit more about peace. We know that there's only one thing that will bring peace to a troubled world, but they will not listen. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is essentially what? The gospel of peace. You know, the angels proclaimed it there in in Luke chapter 2 at the birth of Jesus. What did they call Jesus? He was the Prince of Peace. He, the Lord of Glory, in Isaiah 9-6, is called the God of Peace. The Prince of Peace, our Heavenly Father, is called the God of Peace in Romans chapter 15, verse 33. What is the pursuit of you and I? Is that not peace? Peace. The great pursuit of the children of God. Colossians 3.15 So how are we to cultivate peace? How are we to follow peace? Do we have a peaceful disposition? In Proverbs it says the angry words stir up strife. A soft answer, though, what? Turns away wrath. Are we peaceable at heart? When we see something that angers us, when we see something that disturbs us, are we cultivating peace? Abraham Lincoln once said the ballot is stronger than the bullet. It kind of disturbs me when I see protest 
In fact, I've never seen a protest accomplish much of anything. I see them marching around with their signs, parading, demanding things be changed. All the while realize, not realizing that their only hope is found here. Their only hope is in following the principles of God's kingdom. You all have seen it, I'm sure, on the news, you know, recent um, Supreme Court decisions and the ruckus that has caused. Now, I want to avoid, of course, politics. But you see, people walk around with signs saying, My body, my choice. No. If you are Christ, your body is not your own. You are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. I'm going to leave it at that. Glorify God in your body. And then you don't have to worry about making a bad decision. Put Christ first. Make him first, make him last. Make God's word the center. Oh, how much peace we often forfeit because we do not. We diverge from the word of God. God says, but I think. We base feeling, we base decisions on changeable feelings. But God tells us to cultivate a peaceable disposition. But anytime you have to cultivate, anytime you have to go and garden, anytime you have to, it takes a little work, doesn't it? It takes a little work. Now think about, let's look at a few examples. You know, Abraham and Lot and their, their, their servants were, were busy arguing and fighting because uh, they, they're, they're, they over the plots of land to feed the sheep and to water, their, uh, water the flock. How much, how much effort that must have taken for Abram to restore, to restore a peaceful disposition, a peaceful relation among him and his nephew Lot. That was not an easy thing. Abram was the elder. He could have just said, you take this and I'll take that and the decision done. Took the high road and allowed Lot to choose first. How about another example? Joseph. Joseph had a lot of power, didn't he? He could have just, guards take them. He could have snuffed out their lives. But he didn't. Let's go a step further. What is hidden in God's sight? Nothing. There is nothing hidden in God's sight. Jesus knows and God knows every last thing about you. I'm often struck with awe because I know that God is all-powerful. 
I know with a swipe of his hand could wipe me out. The word could come forth. He could say, I've had it with Fred. He could say, I've had it with any one of us. Gone. But what does he say? Come, my child. Come, my son. Come, my daughter. Come to me that you might have life. He knows all about us and loves us anyway. And loves us anyway. It takes a spirit of goodwill toward others to follow peace with all men. Now recently, I was looking at the golden rule. You know the golden rule, do uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, treat others the same way. But I think it goes further than that. It goes much further than that. Because if you read the passage in context, you know, it talks about, you know, the Father giving good gifts. And he talks about if you're an earthly father and your son asks for a stone, asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for something else, will you give him a serpent or a scorpion? He says, no. And if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who, those who ask? Therefore, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It goes even deeper. It really means... Just as God has forgiven you, just as God has treated you with goodness and mercy, you are to treat others. You are to treat them as God would treat them. And that's the spirit of goodwill. And that means we're not going to seek our own. We're going to help other people. We're going to reach out and help them, even if it means a sacrifice on our part. Love seeketh not its own. Love seeks not its own. That means we're not going to be all out for ourselves. We're going to be out for other people. One of our ministers way back in the 1800s exemplified this. He said, souls are perishing who may now be saved. Shall we not do what we can while we can so that by some means we may save some? Sometimes we have to do things that are not natural for us. God may direct us. But remember, the gospel is a thing of power. It changes hearts. It changes lives. It emboldens us. It encourages us. It allows us to go into that tent, into those steps, the wrong side of the track, to reach a soul for Jesus. Sometimes it may, it may be that we open our hearts and our wallets. Sometimes it may be that we devote more time to seek in that which is lost. Do we have an easy to be entreated spirit? 
The meaning of entreat is to ask, to beseech, to supplicate. Are we slow to anger? Being ever ready to forgive. You see, it pains me to say, but sometimes as I listen and hear some preachers, I call them angry preachers, <laughs> does not motivate in any way, shape, or form except maybe to run. If you read the sermons of Jesus, there are sermons for you and for me. Put yourself in that crowd and you will see the difference. They said of Jesus that he spoke not as other men, but he spoke with authority. Why did Jesus speak with authority? But the difference was this. The scribes and the Pharisees did not speak with authority because all they did was merely quote Rabbi so-and-so. The only person Jesus quoted was his heavenly father. If we are to cultivate a spirit of peace, if we are to cultivate a spirit of harmony, well, as we talked about in Sabbath school, we must walk in the light as he is in the light. And what is the result of that? We shall have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. Are we walking in the light, in the light of his love, in the harmony of his grace? Are we walking in that light with Jesus? We seek peace because the peace of God dwells in our heart. And naturally, I must ask the question, does the peace of God dwell in your heart today? You see, we were enemies with God. We didn't love God. In fact, we hated God. We did not love God, but God loved us. When we were enemies with God, he loved us. We were not at peace, but the cross. Jesus came and he died on that cross. And became peace. Purchased peace for us. Can we say that that length that he went, that length that he went, shows the emphasis, shows the 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 emphasis, shows the, the the price of peace. It's certain that the price of heaven is measured by our desire for peace, and and, and there must be a blessing in peace, isn't there? In fact, Jesus said in that Sermon on the Mount, and I encourage you to read it, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called children of God. By pursuing peace, we become true representatives of the God of peace and effectively 
uphold the gospel of peace. What is the other blessing? We shall leave a favorable impression on those who observe our experience, our attitude of peace. And though the world may be at war, though there may be bombs flying and bullets, and there may be personal attacks, and there certainly are, we can follow peace with all men. That, dear friends, gives direction to the life of a child of God. That becomes a test to our claims of true Christianity. Are we truly men of peace? Does our life represent the Prince of Peace? Therefore, we can conclude that if the peace of our Lord rules in our hearts, our influence will reveal it. We will bring peace to all who come under our influence. It's a challenge for all of us to re-examine our lives to find out why there is so little of the peace of God in our hearts. There's only one reason if we do not have peace. And that is because sin prevents it. Today, I invite you in this brief message to experience, to have a new experience in the realm of God's kingdom. Is there something in our hearts that is preventing the Prince of Peace from shining forth? Is there something that we're holding back from him? He knows all about it. I remember years ago, Pastor Cameron, this very pulpit, preached a sermon says, you might as well tell God what you're feeling. He knows it anyway. You might as well go to him in prayer and, and tell him that you're angry. You might as well go to him and tell him that you're feeling frustrated. You might as well go and tell him. What better person to go to than to the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, who says, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with love and kindness I have drawn thee. He wants you to come to him if you're missing peace. If you're missing the joy of salvation. Jesus said, he who comes to me, I will in no way cast out. And as many as received him, to them gave him right, gave him the power, gave him the authority to become sons and daughters of God. Sometimes we want to go the way of the world and try to find peace. Have any of you ever been to San Francisco? 
In San Francisco, there's a mansion. It's known as the Winchester Mansion. Some of you may have heard of it. Actually, it's in San Jose, I'm sorry. It was a massive structure, it was built by Sarah Winchester, and she was the widow of the gun company owner. And in 1884 until 1922, she built this mansion. The place was under constant construction. Teams of carpenters, mason, and other workers were employed around the clock. And of course, when you see something crazy like this going on, the, the, the rumors started to spread for this unusual practice. Most of the stories center on Mrs. Winchester's belief that she was either that she was that belief that she either was haunted or would be haunted by the ghost of those killed by her husband's weapons unless she kept building the house. Others claim that she thought she would not die as long as the building continued. Whatever the reason, she continued building more renovations and construction as long as she lived. <coughs> now, in this mansion, there are more than 10,000 windows, doorways, and stairs that lead to blank walls. You can open a door and nothing behind it. Stairway goes nowhere. And in this mansion, there's 160 rooms. And it is estimated that she spent more than $70 million in today's money on largely a pointless construction. All in desperate search for a piece that was ultimately doomed to fail. Many people today are seeking peace through equally fruitless means. Many will turn to pleasure, drugs, alcohol, immorality, wealth, and other dead-end avenues. It's like that staircase that led to nowhere. Pursuing such paths will never bring peace. Instead, we find peace when we follow the path that God has given us in his word. Those who keep the law of God in their hearts. Remember as Jesus said, and, and the psalmist said, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. And as when we sin, we have no peace. There is no peace, therefore, there is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. We must keep this law in our hearts, write it there. Read his word, ponder his word, meditate upon his word. Learn of him who is peace. Instead, we find peace when we follow the path God has given in his word. Those who keep the law of God in their hearts and obey it in their actions add peace to their lives. Rather than seeking peace as an end, we should seek to follow Christ. When we do that, when we do, we will find that peace ultimately comes as a side effect that we receive from him. Are we following Jesus? Are we learning more and more of him? 
Are we walking in his light? Are we hiding his word in our hearts? I invite you this morning to do just that. Father God, we're so thankful that your way is a way of peace. And we pray, Father, that that peace be found in our hearts, that your law, that your uh, wisdom, that uh, your, uh, well, the peace that passes all understanding be present in our lives, Father. And we just pray for this heavenly wisdom. We pray, Father, that uh, as we leave this place, that uh, we'll not leave your presence, but your presence will be with us wherever we go. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.